Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical education and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Lee Precopio, with Consultant 360, a multidisciplinary medical information network. According to the CDC, approximately 30% of individuals at risk for HIV infection within the United States are prescribed pre-exposure prophylaxis, or PrEP. Nationwide initiatives aimed at increasing PrEP use among at-risk populations have resulted in a steady and encouraging increase, but additional efforts are needed to reach the national goal of 50% of individuals who could benefit from PrEP to be using it by 2025. One potential strategy that researchers are exploring is the use of pharmacies to increase access to PrEP, a common barrier to PrEP utilization. To explore the role that pharmacists may have in HIV prevention services, researchers conducted a cross-sectional study examining current PrEP prescribing locations and pharmacy locations across the southeastern United States. To learn more about this study, Consultant360 reached out to the lead study author, Natalie Crawford, who is an associate professor in the Behavioral, Social, and Health Education Sciences in the Rollins School of Public Health at Emory University. Thank you for joining me today. What prompted this study? So one of the main barriers that people report to obtaining HIV prevention services is access. And so we really wanted to visualize what does access look like for people in the areas most affected by HIV? And what we saw was staggering. The areas with the highest HIV prevalence and incidence uh, have the fewest PrEP clinics, Uh, but there are ample PrEP clinics in the areas with the least amount of HIV. So there was a clear mismatch in where we need these critical services and where they are available. But we didn't really want that to be the end of the story um, because we know there are so many rich resources that we could harness. So we wanted to also visualize what might this access look like if we could expand HIV prevention services such as HIV testing and pharmacists prescribing for pre-exposure prophylaxis. Um, And the picture became much more of a success story when we imagined this new story. And so, If we were to integrate pharmacies as places to obtain HIV prevention services, we could increase access by 80 fold. And that's just in the Southeast. So we felt like that's a story worth telling. We really wanted a a positive story and a solutions oriented story um, to be what we tacked on to what we already know about poor access for HIV prevention. Can you discuss the current role of pharmacists in HIV prevention and the use of PrEP? Sure. So right now we have so many pharmacists who care about HIV prevention and are doing everything that they can to advise their clients. Uh, But most pharmacists are limited in what they can do. Only about 17 states have some legislation that allows pharmacists to provide PrEP in some way, Um, but this is very state dependent and the on the ground application of this really varies widely in how uptake of the implementation of these policies has happened. So In order to truly expand HIV prevention in pharmacies, we really need uh, national legislation that allows for pharmacists to be reimbursed for their time related to HIV prevention and specifically PrEP uh, screening and dispensing. Um, So this is a major barrier to fully integrating um, HIV prevention services into the pharmacist workflow, um, particularly in the areas with the highest need. Your study found that if pharmacies began widely offering PrEP, there would be an 80.9 overall fold increase in PrEP providers. Was your team anticipating this increase or did these results surprise you? We were certainly shocked by the magnitude. Um, But in reality, these were the stories that our qualitative data have been telling us for years. And so people have been sharing stories of their challenges 
getting on PrEP because clinics were too far away. And they had to make real life choices on, do I use my last quarter tank of gas to go grocery shopping and, and, and pay for childcare or whatever their basic needs are? Or do I drive across town in traffic and potentially have to take off work to get an appointment to screen for PrEP and get a PrEP prescription, right? Um, so as researchers, we've heard these stories, but our individual level interventions have fallen short of addressing these upstream and structural challenges that everyday people have. And so this was you know, this is what we have, we really want to to tackle is how do we make this uh, make these services um, accessible for just everyday people, right? People that are are really grappling with um, real life challenges with their income and income insecurity and housing insecurity, um, and so. Obviously, it was the magnitude was a bit of a surprise, um, but we knew that that this was this was a story we were hear, hearing from from people in qualitative interviews all the time. Your study mentioned that individuals may have critical barriers to access other than a lack of an available prep prescribing clinician. Could you discuss this further? Absolutely. Um, one of the major barriers that we see is stigma period, point blank, right? Um, and that means a lot, right? So uh, stigma means that, you know, people aren't all completely comfortable talking about their sexual history. They aren't comfortable completely sharing and divulging their substance use uh, behaviors. Um, but even when they do do that, and when they uh, get to a place where there is someone who they can uh, receive a PrEP prescription for, they can get screened, um, people are, there's stigma related to just being on PrEP, right? There people want some privacy around being on PrEP. Being on PrEP may mean something to, if someone else learns about it, um, it may mean that you are a person who engages in deviant behavior. And so there are, there's a, just a lot of stigma around everything associated with uh, with HIV prevention and particularly PrEP. Um, and, and that is really a critical barrier to progress, um, even once we expand this access that I think we're going to have to contend with. Um, another barrier, of course, is access in a different way, is financial access. So um, there are programs that help subsidize um, uh, PrEP cost, um, and as well as some insurance com companies fully cover PrEP. But then we have the issue with paying for labs to remain on PrEP. Um, which some insurance companies fall short of and some people cannot pay for out of pocket. And so uh, that's also a, a, a challenge and one that I think we can we can work around, but also um, another challenge that um, is a barrier for folks. In addition to the use of pharmacies for expanding access to PrEP, are there any other underutilized strategies that may help expand PrEP access for these high-priority areas in the Ending the HIV Epidemic in the U.S. initiative? Again, stigma. Stigma reduction needs to be at the top of the list for strategies that we promote. Uh, we know we can reduce stigma by decentralizing HIV prevention services. Um, yet we continue to treat HIV like it's different from every other chronic disease, right? Um, we discuss sexual behavior and substance use as if like swaths of the population have not engaged in these behaviors. Literally all of our existence is dependent on someone having sex, right? And so everyone does it, but yet there's so much stigma attached to uh, sexual behavior. There's a lot of stigma attached to even in 
engaging in sexual behavior that is pleasurable. And those are problems, right? Um, because if we don't make people comfortable and, and real, and we aren't realistic about these behaviors happening, we isolate people. So people don't want to talk to us and they certainly don't want to hear us preaching to them about what they need to do to, pr to protect themselves, right? And so we really need to shift our thinking around this and figure out how to meet people where they are. We need to uh, shift our, our, our behavior so that we are welcoming and understanding and realistic, just flat out realistic that people are having sex. People are always going to have sex until the end of time. <laughs> uh, people use drugs. I mean, you know, our, our existence is also predicated on a lot of substance use, whether, whether it's legal or illegal, but those are things that happen. And um, in order for us to make strides, we really need to um, figure out how to redress our, our issues with stigma in, in, in the way that we treat HIV. What are the next steps in expanding HIV prevention and care services to pharmacies and other high-priority areas and nationwide? So my hope is that we will um, do the right thing on a national level and obtain legislation that really allows us to expand HIV prevention services in pharmacies. That would be the, the ultimate goal and wish list. Uh, in the absence of that, though, there are there is still work that can be done on a state level. State policies um, can be um, enacted to allow on a state by state basis for pharmacies to provide additional HIV prevention services. In the southeast, we currently have, I think, Virginia. That is the only state that is doing some uh, preps, specifically legislation. North Carolina is doing stuff around PEP, but we really need uh, all the states in the Southeast. And I, I, I believe the entire nation, but particularly in the Southeast, out Southeast where HIV is um, really being, is really, we're, we're driving the HIV numbers in the Southeast. And so um, every, every legislator in the Southeast should care about this. Um, because we are at epidemic levels and we should all care when we have an epidemic um, and on our turf, right? And so state policies, um, the other thing that we can continue to do and which would, which is where I feel um, really useful is um, we can continue to develop research and, and evidence-based strategies that would allow us to um, continue to try to integrate some HIV prevention services in the absence of policy. Right. And so we are currently testing models for uh, self screening, HIV testing, self HIV testing in pharmacies, um, because there there isn't legislation that allows pharmacists to do that. Um, but so that someone would have someone that could, could could counsel them in person if they didn't if they couldn't make it all the way to a, a place to get HIV testing. Right. And so uh, there are a number of uh, innovative strategies that we can test. Um, in the absence of policy. And um, and so my hope is that we just continue on multi, a multi-pronged approach um, that tries to continue to chip away at this problem and improve access for, for people. Is there anything else that you would like to add today? On a positive note, I, I just always like to end things with, um, you know, this is a big problem, but there's a lot of hope and there is a lot of potential uh, for us to change this and to help people. And my my hope is that we all rally together and we do what is best for um, 
for our community and making them have ma- making everyone have access to just basic resources, right? Critical resources. So that's the only thing. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time.